This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, we're going to get into our message here this morning. Um, if you were here last week, you uh, heard what Pastor had to do to kick us off here. Uh, we are doing a teaching on prayer for the for the for the next season because God has called us as a church and you as people. All right. He's called all of us in 2018 to come up into a higher place of prayer. And we're going to get into this, but the truth of the matter is most of us, we aren't really people of prayer. Okay. We're just going to have to get real with ourselves and admit it. Like I, I say prayer is really serious, but I'm not truly a person of prayer. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but a book that's helped me a lot is this one right here from Brother Hagen called The Art of Prayer. And uh, it says it's a handbook on how to pray. This book has really helped me in my prayer life with the Lord. And so I encourage you, this is back here at the bookstore. You can stop in there later on and, and grab that if you're interested in it. But also, if you need an outline for the message this morning, raise your hand and the ushers are going to give you one and we're going to get on with our message here. So anybody need an outline? Uh, hey, look at this. We do. We, need, we do need a few. All right. Very good. Well, the title of the message this morning is this legit prayer. You're like, well, I didn't know there was fake prayer. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's fake prayer. But what I'm saying is this, is that sometimes, sometimes our prayers are not that legit. We kind of just we gotta just kind of throw something out there. Well, I, I kind of hope something will happen. But a lot of the time when we approach God with things, we're just kind of throwing it out there like, well, I hope something happens. I mean, you might as well be wishing that something's going to happen. But a lot of times I have found and I'm studying my own life and saying all this, my life and the lives of many people I know that a lot of the time they are not full-heartedly, seriously, putting a lot of faith in those prayers. They have more faith in, in a lot of other things than they do in their prayers to the Lord. And, and I mean, you know, you're like, well, that's not a very nice thing to say. I'm just trying to get real here because I see a lot of people that they've been repeating the same prayers for 20 years and nothing's changed. And I'm not being mean, but let, let's let's talk about this. If you've been doing the exact same thing for 20 years and there's no progress whatsoever, nothing's changed. There is a remote possibility that something wrong is occurring right there. You're not doing something right. And what I have found so often is this, is that a lot of people, they are not fervently, as we're going to see later in James 5.16, it says, the, the effectual fervent prayer or the earnest prayer of a righteous person avails much a lot of the time. A lot of the time, let's just be honest with ourselves, we all believe in prayer, but a whole lot of the time... We're just kind of tossing it out there and hoping something is going to happen, but we aren't really counting on a whole lot happening in that prayer. Come on. And so uh, I want to talk about this for a few minutes because we're going to study in the coming weeks different types of prayer because there's more than just one type of prayer, just like there's more than one type of vegetable or one type of... I mean, there, there's lots of different types of prayer the Bible tells us about, and most people only know what my dad calls the Jimmy prayer. You're like, well, what's the Jimmy prayer? My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you're going to give me, God. And so a lot of people, all they know how to do is pray for God to do something for them, but they don't really know any other methods of prayer. And there's a lot of things that the Bible discusses. But what my objective today is, is this, to show you that prayer does work. Can I get an agreement from the Christians? 
All right, all right. There should be a little more excitement than that, but we'll cover that in a minute. Prayer does work. And the second thing I want to show you today is this, is that you need to take it legitimately and take it seriously, not as a last resort. Well, we've tried everything else. Might as well try your prayer now and see if that works. It shouldn't be that way. Prayer should be the first resort. Amen. So let's pray. And that's a good thing to do. And we're going to get into the message here. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you, Lord, legitimately this morning, praying to you that you would have your way in this service, that you would speak to our hearts, God, and that you would show us what we need to see. Lord, I pray that you will stir a fire within us to pray, Jesus, stir a fire within us that we would become people of prayer like you've called us to do. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme verse for this year, if we could put that up there, is Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7 in the King James. It says, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. So should you be depressed in the house of prayer? Should you be like, oh man, it's prayer time. We got to do it. We, we committed. We got to do it. We better go. No, you should be joyful in the house of prayer. It says their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. He said, my house, my temple, my church is going to be a house of prayer for a few of the people that just really feel it's their thing to pray. No, it says for all people. Let me ask you a scientific question. Are you a person? Are you a human being? You qualify for this. You are to be joyful in his house of prayer because he said, my house, my church, I want it to be a house of prayer for all people. And so that is your official call. If you think this doesn't pertain to you, if you feel that you are not called to prayer, whatever we got to do, raise your right hand. You are officially called to prayer as of this moment because you are a person and you are one of God's people. This year, 2018, is your year to become a person of prayer. That's exciting news, right? I'm excited, man. I am not satisfied with where I have been in my prayer time with the Lord. I'm not satisfied. I've got to do better, and I believe all of us can do better. Now, let me say this. Number one, most Christians don't take prayer seriously. It's going to, listen, let's just, most Christians don't really take prayer seriously. Now, if I were to take a poll and say, you know, if I, I could go to any church in America right now and say, who thinks that prayer is an important thing? I'm pretty sure I'd get, in this church, 10%. But in most churches, in most churches, I think I could get about 100% of, of, of Christians if I said, do you, would you say that prayer is a key element to being a born-again Christian? Most Christians would say yes. They would say yes. Now, I even looked up some research, even amongst the general populace of the United States, the Barna Research Group found that 55% of Americans say they pray every day. 55% of Americans and 64% of those are women and 46% of men say they pray every day. So ladies tend to pray more than men. And Americans age 65 and older are far more likely to pray every day than adults under the age of 30, 65% to 41%. And so we have got to step it up because a lot of people that are born again Christians, I would, I would just wager that maybe they pray a total of two minutes a day and, and some of that's praying for their lunch. And again, let's, I'm not, we're not making fun. I'm just trying to get us real here. I would say 
a lot of the Christians I know, some in this room, I would bet that they don't pray more than five minutes a day, maybe three or four minutes tops. And a lot of that's for their food and the rest is for something that they want to happen for them. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You are allowed to pray for things that you want. Nothing wrong with that. But you have to realize you're not a person of prayer if that is all your prayer life consists of. That's like me. I, you know, I, I go out and shoot one free throw a week and say I'm a basketball player. No, I mean, I occasionally do it like every now and then. And, and I've got great form when I get out there. You've you got to see me. But at the same time, listen, I'm not a, I, I can't say that I am a basketball player just because I occasionally toss one up there. And every now and then I land one and something happens. But, you know, but who knows? Who knows? That does not qualify me to say I am a basketball player. I am a person that sometimes plays basketball. And a lot of us are Christians that sometimes pray when we need something. And it's got to get better than that that if we are going to take prayer seriously. Now, part of the reason that I've come up with this theory that we don't take it super serious is this. I have found that we can advertise almost any event. We've advertised having a nacho party and people have shown up by the masses. And then we advertise a prayer meeting and like three people show up. I remember one time in 2009, we were contacted by some of the most major bands in Christian music, uh, Cutlass, Disciple, a lot of of top-line bands. They were coming through bars, so somebody paid for them to come. They needed a venue. They're like, and we see you have a big place. So they wanted to come out of the concert at our church. There was three days' notice, three days' notice to get word out that there was a concert going to be right here. Three days to advertise. Show the picture, Heather, of how many people came in three days. That's this building. Over 2,000 people from here to the back came to see a concert with three days' notice. I would, I'll lay $100 on the line right now to tell you that I could advertise that December 30th, 2018, is going to be the most epic prayer meeting the High Desert has ever seen. Everybody get together. High Desert Word Center, one night only, 2008. I mean, I could advertise a whole year in advance. And I, I, I would lay $100 down to say that I couldn't get 100 people to show up. But we all say prayer is very important, right? Do you agree prayer is very important? Why is it that with three days we can get 2,000 people to hear music? And it was cool. It was fun. I mean, nothing, no lasting fruit came out of it. No one joined the church or anything. But it was, it was cool for a minute. But at the same time, listen to me. How come in three days we can draw thousands for music, but we could spend a whole year teaching on prayer? And I could even, you know, in this concert, Disciple and Cutlass and Stellar Carter are all going to be there. And we threw out all these names. What if I said, and even at this prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit himself is going to be there? Come on. Come on, let's get real. What if what if we advertise this prayer meeting and, and put posters up everywhere one night only, the Holy Spirit, high desert work. If I got a hundred people, I would just I would be feel like that was probably the defining success of my entire life to get a hundred people to show up to a prayer meeting. Pastor Willie George is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has a church of about twenty thousand people. I've been there. He said this. He said that even though they draw all these people, he said he can't get more than maybe a few dozen people to show up to prayer time. Out of 20,000 people. I'm like, what is the problem? We all say it's so important. We all say that, yeah, I mean, that's one of the fundamentals of Christianity. you got to pray. But why do we not take it as seriously as so many other things? And i got to admit, listen, I'm, I'm going to point the finger at myself. For most of my adult life, yeah, I would probably be more excited about going to a concert than, than, than prayer meeting. 
All right. I would probably much rather have gone to, you know, a good, awesome concert than to a prayer meeting. And why is that? Because honestly, I get a lot more out of it when I pray. When I talk to God, I get a, I get so much out of it. And and sometimes, you know, people will come to our prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings and and I can kind of see it on their face when they're leaving. Like, oh, that wasn't so bad. That was that, was, that wasn't that bad. That, there's nothing to be afraid of. You just, there's nothing to be afraid of when we're talking to God. And so anyway, I want to show you something here in Luke chapter 11, verse one. You've got to see that prayer is important. And, I, and if you do see it, you'll actually start to get excited. You'll want to come to Sunday night prayer. You'll want to get up in the morning and talk to God on your own and pray for other people, for other things to intercede. You'll want to actually pray and talk to God. And, you know, not just when you're in a really bad situation of your own. You'll if you can seriously see why prayer is important, you'll enjoy prayer. I promise you, you will enjoy it. But Luke chapter 11 and we're going to look here at verse one. This is the disciples. And I'm thinking, man, if there's anybody that would know how to pray, it's people that lived with Jesus. I mean, they were with him 24 seven. If there's anybody that would take prayer seriously, it had to be these 12. Let's look at this. Luke 11, verse one. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now. This is interesting to me because they could have just observed a lot off of Jesus in his prayer time. Because as I'll show you later, Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed a lot. I mean, all through the night sometimes. Jesus prayed all the time. But these guys living with him 24-7, they come up and say, teach us to pray. Now, look at this. They didn't say, teach us how to pray They're like, just teach us to pray. They weren't questioning whether they knew how to pray. They're saying, we don't pray like we should. Teach us to pray. That's incredible because that's what I'm asking God in my life. And I think that's what a lot of us need to be asking God in our lives. I know how to pray. I get it. I've been taught this since I was a little kid. I do know how to pray. I mean, I don't know everything there is to know about it. I want to learn a lot more, but I know how to pray. When I was in second grade, my teacher asked me to pray for lunch. I went to a Christian school and, you know, most of the kids, uh, you know, they'd say, you know, dear God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But my dad, like, he's taught me how to pray since I was, like, in my mom's stomach. And so, over every meal, we pray Bible verses. We don't say rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, you know. We, we, we literally pray and like we, we, we bind the devil and everything. It gets wild sometimes during mealtime prayer with my dad. And so she, she, I'm in second grade, so we all join hands and they're, and I'm like, I just pray with my dad, Father in Jesus' name, oh God, we thank you for this food. We thank you for your provision, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that if we, your word says in Exodus verse, chapter 23 verses 24 and 25, that if we shall eat any deadly thing, it shall not harm us. Lord, I thank you that the devil is bound in the name of Jesus. This is going to be the best lunch of all time. And like, I'm going on and on. And I, and I open my eyes and my teacher's like, staring at me like, you don't ask a Pentecostal kid to pray if you don't want, if you don't. All right. Just so anyway, I know how to pray. I have been taught since I was a wee lad, but these guys, they knew how to pray, but they come up to Jesus and say, Lord, could you teach us to pray? 
that is, there's something in that right there that we've got to get a hold of because if anybody should have been people of prayer, it's Jesus' 12 disciples. They were around Jesus all the time. But like most Christians, the disciples knew prayer was important. They just didn't have the desire to pray. That's on your handout. Just like most Christians, the disciples knew prayer was important. They just didn't have the desire to pray. And so, again, I'm asking us. We all know it's important, but we've got to get the desire in our hearts to say, you know what? I need to pray for a little bit. I would I would like to go pray. I would like to go to prayer meeting at church. I would like to spend some time with the Lord praying this morning. The disciples were great men, no doubt about it. They were awesome guys that God used in a lot of ways. But evidently, they just didn't have that yearning on the inside of them to spend time in prayer. And so I want to ask us this morning, right now, right now, I want you to examine your prayer life. I'm not going to take a poll. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But please be honest with yourself. How would you rate your prayer life on a scale of one to ten? Is it above a five? Is it? I mean, just I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But how would you personally rate your prayer life? Was it a one? Is it? A, I mean, or are you all the way there where you just talk to God 24/7? You're at a ten. I don't know. I don't know you. Well, I do, but anyway. But you know, how would you rate your prayer life? Do you only pray when you want something? Do you only pray when you want something? God, I need some new shoes. I'm coming to you this morning right now. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to bind the devil. I'm going to come. I loose those shoes in Jesus. All right? I'm praying for souls of my shoes. Anyway, so, but, I mean, do you only pray when you want something? Do you only pray for your food? Do you spend more than three, four, five minutes a day in prayer? Let's just examine our prayer lives here today, and I'm going to, I'll just say, I need to improve. I am not satisfied with the amount of time that I spend in prayer. Now, I could say, I, I, I honestly, I probably spend more prayer time than the average Christian, probably, but at the same time, I am not satisfied. I know that I have got to come to a higher place so God can use me how he needs to use me. I've got to have that with God. And, you know, I've used this example so many times, but there's these two guys, uh, two friends that found themselves in a bad situation. They they got themselves in some trouble, and they tried everything they could to fix the problem. Like, let's try this, let's try that. And then one guy looks at the other and says, do you think maybe we ought to pray? And the other guy says, has it come to that? Like, that's their last resort. All right, we've tried everything else. We might as well throw a prayer out there and... Who knows? Maybe it'll catch. Maybe it'll stick. Maybe, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to try. We could try it. But if that's how we approach prayer, prayer should be the first option before we do anything else, right? Take it to God. Take it to God. And again, you know, we're all for doctors. We're all for counselors. We're all for everything that we need in this world. That is fine. But before I see anybody about my problems, I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to talk to him and let him have first crack at it. Amen. I'm going to Jesus and he is not my last resort. He is my first resort every single time. And so, number one, most Christians do not honestly take prayer very seriously. They say they do. And we all know how important it is. But when it the rubber meets the road, we just honestly, we don't really take it that seriously. Number two, Jesus takes prayer very seriously. It's not a joke with him. Jesus takes prayer 
very seriously. Now, I could show you probably 50 verses out of the four Gospels about Jesus praying. But let's look at just a couple here. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke 5, 16. Check this out. Luke 5, 16. Is anybody, are you starting to see maybe where you could slightly improve? Perhaps just a... Okay, all right. Luke 5, verse 16. Now, Jesus is our example in everything, right? I mean, I want to be just like Jesus. I want to be, I want to have the love, the compassion, the grit, the, 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 the faithfulness, the loyalty. I want to, Jesus is my example of how I should be as a grown Christian man. My example is Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus did all the time is pray, 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 pray. Study the four Gospels. Luke 5, 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now, the key word here is often. It didn't just say often because they meant he occasionally withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. No, Jesus very frequently. I mean, I don't know the exact amount, but maybe every day. I don't know. Jesus very frequently, Jesus often withdrew from everyone around him. To go off to a quiet place for prayer. Often. You need to do that. You need to have some quiet time with God. And however that needs to come about, you need to make it happen. Because you make time for other things that are important, right? You make time for football. You make time to eat. You make time to exercise. You, you, you make time for what you really want to do. So do not tell us that, well, I, I know how important it is. I just don't, I don't have the time for it. Then you make the time. You make it happen if you really want it that bad. And, you know, I, I'm not my example is this, you know, I listen, this isn't funny. I've got four kids and I can't spend quality time with Jesus when I've got a kid hitting the other one with a golf club. Someone else is on the roof. I mean, my place is a circus. It's nuts. And so if I try to spend time with Jesus after my kids are up and about, it's very difficult for me. Now, Katie can somehow do it. Ladies, you have some endowment from above where you can still concentrate when there are children in the room. I can't do it. Okay. I just cannot do it. And so I found that I've just got to, my only option is to get up before everyone because I'm not a night person. Eight o'clock I'm passing out, like running into stuff, but I can get up at three, four, five, no problem. And so I just, I get up and that's my time with God. And listen, you got to do it, man. It's that important. Jesus, and every time, man, it's worth it every time. Man, you should you should see me and Jesus in the morning. We're best friends. We have a great time together. We talk. We drink coffee. His, I, well, I'm, I don't know if he is, but I am. And, and we hang out. We're having a great time, man, every day. And there's I, I say it all the time. There is never a time that I have spent some time in prayer or the word and talking with Jesus, and I say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I, I, I could have been playing video games that whole hour. I could have been eating. I could have been, I could have been watching TV. Heck, I could have been, I could have been checking the football score, man. There's, I could have been doing all this stuff. Listen, there's never a time that I have been with Jesus and regretted it and said, man, something else would have been more important because he's number one, right? And when you spend genuine time with Jesus, legit prayer time with Jesus, you don't regret it, and it's not boring, and you love it, and you want more of it. But listen, you, you, you've got to start taking this seriously. And so Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke six twelve. Look over just, just a few verses here. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. 
It says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. He didn't sleep a wink that night. Jesus literally stayed up all night long praying. That's incredible. I've never done that yet. I would like to. I'd love to be able to do that. And praise God, one of these days I'm going to do that. But this was typical stuff for Jesus. He went up on the mountain to pray. He stayed up all night long praying. Do you think Jesus would just, prayer was kind of just something that he, he knew it was good, but he just didn't take it that seriously? It was, no. Jesus took prayer very seriously. Let's look at Mark 1.35. There's so many verses we could have pulled out here. We had to narrow this down. Mark 1.35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Another example of Jesus going off by himself to pray. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Notice he got up before daybreak, before the sun came up, Jesus was up and he was praying. And so Jesus, he was a, he was a, he was a busy guy. He had people, the second people saw him, they wanted stuff from him. Everywhere he went, people wanted his attention. And so Jesus came to this conclusion, if I'm going to get some legit prayer time, I'm either going to have to stay up all night to do it, or I'm going to have to get up before the sun gets up, before everybody else is up, or people are going to interrupt me. And so Jesus made that sacrifice. And you're like, well, yeah, he was Jesus. Jesus came to this earth as a human being. He needed sleep. He had to eat. He had to drink. Jesus was just like he was a human being. If you need to sleep, Jesus needed to sleep, too. But he sacrificed it because he said, listen to me, this prayer, I've got to spend some time with my father. I've got to talk to God right now. I've got to be with God. And Jesus was willing to make himself uncomfortable. He was willing to sacrifice what he wanted in order to pray because he thought it was that important. He literally thought prayer was this serious. So, again, why did Jesus pray so much? He's Jesus. Well, I mean, what was he? Was he, you know, I pray to me right now in Jesus' name. I come to Jesus. No. He went to the Father because he's the Son. He went to the Father. And the reason he prayed so much is because he understood that here on this earth, you've got to keep an open dialogue going with heaven. He was on earth. He was not in heaven at that time. Now he's seated at the right hand of God, right? He's in heaven right now. He's, he's not here. He's in heaven right now. But he understood if I'm on this earth, I've got to keep open communication flowing nonstop with heaven. And I will tell you this. If you take the time to be disciplined and pray, even when you aren't in a desperate situation, you'll find that you can hear clearly from God on a regular basis. If you'll take the time to be a person of prayer, not just when you are in an absolute crisis and you are going to die and you're and I mean, your whole life's going to blow up if you don't get a hold of God right now. I mean, we all people that aren't even Christians go to for prayer in times like that. But if you will be a person of prayer that keeps an open channel of communication going nonstop with heaven, it's really easy to hear from God. You know, I hear people tell these testimonies, well, the Lord spoke to me and told me this. And some people are like, how did that happen? How did you hear from God? They talk to him like every day, all the time, like you talk to your friends. They talk to, why should, you shouldn't be that surprised when the Lord speaks to you. 
If you hear from God and you are just absolutely floored, blown away, like it knocks you out on the floor, uh, listen, it's good to have good experiences. But what I'm saying is this. As a Christian in the New Testament, it should not be that strange to hear God speaking to you. It should pretty much be just your everyday life. And you don't hear booming voices out of heaven most of the time. I've never heard that. It could happen. But usually I just know on the inside of my heart, God's speaking something to me saying, hey, go talk to this person. Hey, I need you to go do this. And I, I just, I know it's him. I don't have to question, is that you? Was that, was it God? Was that, was that, could you appear to me and say that? Because I don't believe you right now. No. When you just communicate with God, it's not that strange to hear from him. But there are some people, if they received a word from heaven, it would probably knock them out on the ground out cold and we'd have to throw water on them to wake them up. They, they, they'd be that surprised. But if you're a person of prayer, if you're a person that has a constant channel, a constant communication with God in heaven, you can talk to him. He'll talk to you. You go to him in prayer. You, you, I mean, it's incredible. I want to get better at this, but I'm telling you, it's incredible to have an open line to heaven where you can you can call up there anytime, man. You can get up there. Hey, God, I need to talk to you right now. Okay, what do you need? And you just talk back and forth. It's beautiful. But that doesn't happen to somebody that prays once a month, prays maybe for their food, possibly if no one else is around and looking because they don't want to get embarrassed at work because people may look at him and oh, he's, a, he's weird. I, you know, if that's your prayer life, just don't expect to like... Get booming revelations from heaven every day. It's just not going to happen. You don't have an open line of community. God loves you. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven someday. We're not, we're not putting your salvation in jeopardy here. But what we are saying is life could be a whole lot better if you were a person of prayer. If you took prayer as seriously as Jesus did. And, you know, I, I was looking up some statistics, a recent recent research. You can put this stat up there. Recent research from the University of Duh finds that the more you communicate and spend time with someone, the better you get to know them. Yeah. Scientific study. So. The more that you communicate and spend time with someone, the better you get to know them. Is that a deep revelation for you? Like, did I, I, I see some minds like blown up. Whoa. That's it. That's good. Good. We, we're, th- I'm throwing the heavy revies out there today. We're, we're dishing them all day long. But listen, the more that you spend time with somebody, the better you get to know them. Katie and I here, we've been an item for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start, Robert. <laughs> Going on 16 years. Anyway, 16 So we've been together a long time now. I mean, I feel like that. Some of you don't think that's a long time, but that's, that's, that's pretty long. That's longer than some of you have been alive, kids. So it's a long time. But, um, but I know her very well. I've taken the time to get to, in most situations, you could ask me, well, what would what would be Katie's will in this situation? And I, I most of the time I could tell you, well, she likes purple better than this. So she, she would go with that. I can most of the time tell you because I have gotten to know her so well. How did I do that? I've spent time with her lots of time because I love her. And those of us that are Christians, I mean, there's just some things that if the question comes down to it, well, what's the will of God in this situation? Oh, well, he would say this because the word of God says to love your neighbor as yourself. So he definitely wouldn't condone you beating that guy up. Like, are you sure that's the will of God? Because I feel like it right now. I just, I don't know what his will is. 
Well, if you've spent any time with God at all, it's not that hard to find out what the will of God is. You just know, like, oh, okay, I, I spent time with him. And listen, sometimes it's not easy to get that time with God. That's what we're saying. I remember, I'm going I'm to throw you back to the thrilling days of yesteryear. Let's go back to 2002. We, and some of you are young, and I've told this story before. Some of you guys are young. We used to have this thing um, back in the day, before some of you were around. Maybe some of you It was called a landline phone. They would run, a, seriously, it's unbelievable. They would run a wire into your home, and then you connected it to these things called telephones. And so you could pick up this, you couldn't take pictures on it or, or text or do your banking, but what you could do is make phone calls where you would talk another person on another telephone somewhere else you would hear their voice and you would talk back and forth it was crazy nuts anyway so we had these these telephones and then in that same era we had a thing called dial up internet anyone dial up so what would happen is it it took a phone line to run your internet service at the same time and the internet was slower than molasses on a january day You'd go to, I mean, to do research, I, I, would, I would walk to the library 10 miles away and get my research done quicker than I'd look it up on the Internet back then. But at the same time, we thought it was really cool. So we had dial-up Internet at my house, and here's the problem. Uh, you can't use the telephone at the same time the Internet's being used, right? Because you'll pick it up and you'll hear this, this weird sound. And and you couldn't make phone calls. It was awful. I mean, we roughed it. I, I grew up in the 90s, guys. It was rough. You guys have no idea right now. Isaiah, you don't know, man. You don't know. But 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 here's what happened. Here's what had happened. Uh, I, I worked at a chicken restaurant, okay? And, and it... <laughs> Amen. That's my whole sermon right there. That's That's it. Pray, and I worked at a chicken restaurant. Amen. So anyway, I was good. I was real good behind a fryer. I'd throw those livers in there, those gizzards. I mean, I'd marinate. I, I did all kinds of stuff, potatoes. But anyway, so the place closed at 9. My girlfriend at the time, Katie, was not allowed to be on the telephone after 10 o'clock at night. And so I had to close the place down, clean, rush like crazy to get home so I could have about 10 minutes to talk to her on the phone. We didn't go to the same school. There was, you know, there was no texting. I didn't have a cell phone until I was 20. I mean, listen, it was rough. And so the thing is, is I would get home. I would bust my behind. I had 10 minutes out of the whole day that I could talk to the woman of my dreams, man. I loved her. I knew it was love. I knew it. Like, knew it. Knew it. And so I was madly in love, but I had 10 minutes to get home. I would get home, and would you know what? My little sister was on the dial-up internet chatting with her friends on AOL, if you remember that. The same friends she had been at school with all day long. We actually, we were blessed. We had two phone lines, one for the internet and one to talk on. And guess what? She was using both of them. Chatting with the person she was talking to. And I had 10 minutes to talk to the woman of my dreams. And I would come home and I'd be like, can I just use one of the lines? No, you selfish jerk. And she'd start calling me names. I'm like, what? What is your problem? And so, I mean, we had, this was a battle at my house, man. But the thing is, is I would free up one of those phone lines, sometimes by force. But I did it because 
I wanted to get to know her better, and I would not be stopped by a pesky little sister in America Online. Nothing would stop me from getting to the woman of my dreams. Now, at the same time, there's a lot of us today, I mean, you just have one little sidetrack. Well, I guess I don't get any Bible or prayer time today. You just give up. I woke up late, so I guess I won't spend any time with God today. You're not desperate to get to know him better. You're not desperate to spend time with God. Oh, you agree. Oh, it's the most important thing. I'm a Christian. Prayer is very, very important. It is a pillar of being a Christian is prayer. But you don't, I mean, we don't make any effort at all. I think we've struck a chord here. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some pain. I'm seeing, this is good. We're, this is good. We're, we, we kind of struck something here. But you have got to get to the place where you want to be with God just as much as your girlfriend. Even more so. You've got to get to that place where you would rather spend time in prayer than watching football. Where you would, even if it's the playoffs. Playoffs? No playoffs. Listen, you've got to get to that place where spending time with God is more important than all these things that we sacrifice him for. Do you realize we're supposed to be making sacrifices for God and a lot of times we're sacrificing him for other things? Come on. Can I get a witness? Come on. Seriously. There are times where... I have sacrificed my time with God. I've sacrificed him because I wanted to watch football. How stupid is that? There are times that I've sacrificed prayer and Bible time because I just really wanted to go hang out with my friends. I wanted to go do this or that. And, 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 and I made that more important than God. And I wonder why I just can't hear clearly from heaven. Because I haven't been spending that much time with heaven lately. I've been spending time with football, with whatever the distraction is. And I mean, sure, I could tell you, uh, I'm not saying this is my life right now, but at times past, if you want to talk about basketball, I, I, I could sit there, I could tell you stats from the 76 finals. I could tell you Larry Bird's average, Michael Jordan, the year he averaged 34 points a game. All, I could tell you all this stuff. And then you go, well, what scriptures were you meditating on this morning? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, what's, there's uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall, that's what I've been meditating on. Well, what does that mean to you? I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, if you can just more readily talk about whatever your hobby is than whatever God is in your life, something's wrong. No wonder we are not hearing from heaven like we are supposed to. He said, I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. He said, I want all my people to be called a people of prayer. I'll make them a people of prayer in my house of prayer, and they'll be joyful. Prayer should be awesome. It should be joyful. You should look forward to talking to God more than you do anybody else. Now, I want to show you something in John chapter 17. This is called the prayer of Jesus. This is, to me, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture that there is. This is a time of Jesus praying and uh, and because I've often wondered, Jesus, what did you pray about all the time? I mean, you, you spent eight hours at a time or more in prayer. What did you say? What were you even praying about? I mean, I, I don't get I mean, I don't get what you could have possibly been praying. Well, John 17 gives us a real glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus. And we see what it is that Jesus spent so much of his time praying for. 
But this whole chapter is a prayer of Jesus. And I've just kind of cherry picked a few verses out because we can't read the whole thing right now for time. But look at some of these verses and see what it is that Jesus spent so much time praying about. John chapter 17. We're going to look here at verses 11 and 12. He says, talking to God in prayer. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Jesus was praying for us. He's praying for his disciples there, but in just a minute I'll show you. He says, I'm not just praying for these 12. I'm praying for anybody that ever follows me. Jesus spent all this time in prayer for us. He prayed that that God would protect us by the power of his name. He prayed that we'd be united as, a, as brothers and sisters, as a family. Jesus was praying for you to get along with your brothers and sisters. What, what did he pray about all the time? Jesus spent hours and hours and hours praying for us. Verse 12, he says, During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. That's talking about Judas right there. But he's, but you see his heart to God, how much he loves us. He's saying, I'm not going to be down there on the earth anymore. You've got to protect him by the power of your name. When I was here, I protected him myself, but I'm going to be gone. And he's spending this time in prayer for us. Look at verse 14. He says, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. So here's where we get. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. He says, I, God, they're going to hate these people because they don't belong to the world. They're here, but they don't belong to it. And I'm telling you this. I am here, but I don't belong here. I belong in heaven. I am in this world, and I am proud to be a citizen of the United States of America. I love it, especially when I go to other countries. I see how much I love America. But I am even more proud to be called a son of God than I am to be called the son of Pastor Samples, to be called a resident of the United States. I'm a son of God. I am in this world, but I don't belong here. I am not. Of this world. That's why some of the things people do seem so strange to me and to you. You see people do so. What are they thinking? We don't know. We don't belong here. We're just passing through, man. It's weird. When I go to other countries, some of the stuff, their customs are kind of weird, but it's like, well, this, you know, it's, this is their place, so they do what they got to do. But some of the times I see people doing things in this world and this culture and this society, and I'm like, that makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? Because I am a citizen of heaven. I don't get some of the stuff they do, and I'm not supposed to because I don't belong here. And neither do you. And so Jesus said, oh, they're here, but they don't belong here, just as I don't belong to this world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so Jesus, he's poured out his heart to God because of you. He's praying for you. Verse 20 says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's where I come in. That's where you come in. 
Because I wasn't there right then, but he said, I'm praying this for all who will believe this message because of these guys. Listen, Jesus spent his time in prayer because of you. And finally, verse 23, he says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Whoa. God loves me as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Whoa. That's hard to comprehend. I mean, you almost feel guilty saying it. But do you realize that God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus? And Jesus is praying right here. He's praying, Lord, let them see it. I already know it. You love them as much as you love me, your only begotten son. But... Let them see, Lord, that you love them just as much as you love me. Wow. So how could Jesus spend all this time in prayer? Because he wasn't praying for himself. Because he wasn't just praying for whatever. He was praying for us. And I'm pretty glad to know that Jesus spent hours and hours in prayer for me. And so sometimes you're like, I wish someone would pray for me. Man, Jesus spent the whole night praying for you. Jesus stayed up all night long praying for you way back then. I remember the first time I read John 17, I was, I was uh, in the first apartment that Katie and I had when we got married. And I was sitting there one day reading this. And I had I, probably skimmed over it before because there's lots of portions of Scripture, you know, that I've skimmed over. But I never really let it click. I'm sitting there reading this. I'm not an emotional man, but I started crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Whoa. Jesus, you're you're pouring your heart out here. You're 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 laying it out there on the line for us. And you say that you love me, that God loves me as much as he loves you. I mean, I started crying and and John 17 has been burned into my mind ever since 2004. It's been burned into my brain from the time that I read it, because I see how seriously Jesus took prayer, and now I see what he was praying for. He wasn't just wasting time. He was praying for me, and I need it. I need prayer, people. I need it. And you do too. Thank God that we have Jesus on our side, and I'm glad that Jesus takes prayer more seriously than I do. Amen? All right, number three, legit prayer produces incredible results. Legit prayer, not twinkle, twinkle, little star. I really hope something happens with my car or whatever the situation is. I'm talking about real prayer. Legit prayer produces incredible results. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a time of sincere, honest, heartfelt prayer? Okay. And have you had times where you could look back and say, I was basically saying twinkle, twinkle, little star. My heart wasn't in that at all. I have had those times all the time. I mean, all the time, you know, I just throwing something out there, but not not really meaning it, not really thinking about it, not really putting any heart into it. And that's awful. But I do it sometimes. But I have had times where I have had absolute legitimate spilling my heart out to God, open communication, laying it out on the line, talking with God prayer. And that's what we're talking about here. Let's look at James five, verse 16, James five, 16. Are you learning anything today? We are going to be a church of prayer 
2018. We're going to be a church of prayer. The type where people show up to prayer meetings. The type where, uh, you know, if I ask if somebody wants to pray, I don't see people running for the exits. No, not me! First of all, that's the first way I'm going to pick you if I see you're trying to avoid it. John 5, or excuse me, James 5.16, New King James, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if you're in here and you're born again, you're already righteous. That part's covered. The word of God says in 2 Corinthians that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you, if you're a Christian, if you're not, then you're not righteous just yet, but you can take care of that today. But at the same time, if you're in here and you genuinely, you have Jesus in your heart, you're righteous. You're a righteous man. You're a righteous woman already. That's taken care of. But it says right here, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I want that. That sounds a lot better than some of the prayer times that I've had in my life. That sounds a lot better than some of the prayers I've prayed. This says the effective, fervent prayer, the earnest prayer, the sincere, legit, honest-to-God prayer of a righteous person has great power. And produces wonderful results. That's what we're aiming for here. Real, legit prayer. Can you imagine? There's 250, 300 people that go to this church all together. Can you imagine what it would be like if we got 300 people fervently, legitimately praying? I'd say by the end of 2018, I mean, Barso is going to look like, you know, good Lord, look like heaven on earth. But this place would be awesome. But I, I'm, I mean, I, I have faith, but I'm also pretty realistic. I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it would take a miracle of God to get 300 people to absolutely commit to wholeheartedly being people of prayer. But if we could get 100, if we, if we could get the people in this room to take prayer as seriously as they take other things in their life, by the end of this year, Barstow, the high desert, would be an absolute changed place. It would be a change. People would be delivered from drugs all over the place. The homeless would be... I mean, think of the things that would happen if we could get 300 people to seriously become people of prayer. People that fervently pray, they get great power and produce wonderful results. That's what I'm talking about. And so, I, I want to put it this way. I feel like this. I feel like a lot of people treat prayer as if it were a wish. It says here the fervent prayer of a righteous man. This is talking about someone who's not half-heartedly throwing out a wish. I feel, and from what I observe, not judging, not condemning you, but not condemning me, but I feel, from what I can tell, a, a lot of the prayers that I witness seem and sound a whole lot more like a wish than a prayer. Wishing is throwing a request out there, and by blind luck, maybe something will happen, you hope. Fervent prayer is coming to God Almighty in faith and truly believing that that mountain's going to move. That's a fervent, a, a fervent prayer is full of faith. Sometimes they're like, okay, well, Lord, if, heal my cousin, heal him, help him feel better. 
I hope. Be your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Like, what's that? What is that? We're not making fun, but what is that? That's not a prayer. That's saying, I, I really wish something would happen in this situation. I wish you'd fix my marriage. I, I wish you'd help me with my money. I wish something would happen with my health. I wish my kids would straighten up. I wish. I just hope something will happen. Listen. That's not cutting it, man. That's a wish. That is not a prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It has wonderful power and produces incredible results. That's what we're talking about is fervent prayer. You know, Billy Graham, he just turned 99 in November. 99 is very old. But at the same time, I was watching an interview from when he was 92. So he's a young man, 92. But And they're asking him, if you could change anything in, in your life, would you? And I'm pretty much thinking, okay, there's no way there's anything this guy could have changed. He's, in fact, I've, I've got the stats here. He's, he has preached the gospel to more people in person than anybody in the history of Christianity. He's led over 3.2 million people to the Lord and preached to over 2.2 billion people. So I'm like, that's, I think we could chalk that up to a success. That's, that's pretty good. Those are pretty good numbers. It's hard to argue with those stats right there. But so the, the, the interviewer, when he's 92, says, looking back, would you change anything? He's like, oh, yeah, de- definitely. I would definitely. And I'm like, get the notepad out. When a 92-year-old says they would change things, I'm, not, I'm smart enough to know that you take note of what people that have, are that wise say. I will listen to somebody in their 90s. I'm just saying. And so, you know, he's like, yeah, if I could, I have regrets. I would go back and I would have spent more time in prayer. I was like, What? You? Billy Graham? And so what that tells me is that he must have been a person of prayer. Because only a person of prayer would not be satisfied with the level of prayer they had given God. Most of us at the end of our life, we'd be like, yeah, I would have done more of this, would have spent more time with the family. That's good. I mean, we should all say that. But only a person of prayer would have looked back and say, I wish I could have got more prayer time in, man. That's what this man said. And he just turned 99 and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's still here, man. But listen to me. That's what I want to be able to, that, that's the type of thing that I want to look back on my life and say, yeah, I wish I would have spent more time in prayer. Wow. That is incredible. So I'm telling you, do you believe me when I say that prayer works? Or do you just say amen because that's the Christian thing to say? Don't fool around with me here. I'm, let's get real. Do you honestly believe that prayer works and is powerful. You, you, know, you believe that. You're not just saying it because you're sitting in church and the people around you make fun of you. Okay. You really believe that? Well, let's start living like it. Let's not just talk to God when we need something. It's me again. Uh, Lord, I'm in a bind right now. If you could really pull me out of this one, I promise I will. Uh, I'll, I'll cut you 10% of it out of this time. I promise. If you could just really come through. I am in a pickle right now, Lord. It, Holy one, it's me. We've got to get past this stuff, man. I'm talking about if you genuinely believe prayer is important, who could say right now, I want to learn more about this. I want to do better with prayer in 2018. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. I mean, and that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We are going to learn about prayer. And I want to, I want to share, I had a couple of stories, but I'm just going to share one of them. 
this is one of my favorite stories in recent history that I've read about. This happened in 2015. I'm going to read you a news article from USA Today. Three 14-year-olds fell through the ice of Lake St. Louis in Missouri on St. Martin. I didn't say St. Louis. It actually is St. Louis. So anyway, on, on Martin Luther King Day, a rescue crew found one of the boys by shore almost out of the water and the second team clinging to the ice. The third boy, his name is John Smith, was still underwater. By the time they pulled his body from the rocky bottom of the lake, the teen had been under the water for 15 minutes and had no pulse. He, had, he fell through the lake. He was underwater for 15 minutes of freezing water. And so by the time they got him out, he had no pulse. En route to the hospital, emergency workers performed CPR on the boy, but to no effect. When they finally arrived, the attending physician, Dr. Kent Sutterer, had little hope for the boy's survival. He recalls, I remember his core body temperature was 88 degrees when we checked it. That's bad. <laughs> That's real bad. 88 degrees. And in my mind, this was a very grim, very poor chance of survival. The doctor and his team continued CPR on John for another 27 minutes with no response. And at that time, they decided to call John's mother into the room to give her the bad news. He was dead and had been dead for 45 minutes, said Dr. Sutterer. But then something completely unexpected happened. According to the doctor, when Joyce Smith entered her son's room, she started praying loudly. I don't remember what I said, she recalls, but I remember, Holy God, please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. And she starts praying fervent prayer. Not, Lord, if it be thy will, I wish you could pull me out. She starts fervently binding. And I've watched a news interview, so I saw her tell the story. But she's binding. And, and I mean, she is fervently, legit praying. And then something happened. Apparently, Smith's heart began beating again. And the doctors announced, well, now he has a pulse. And they hadn't been getting a pulse at all at that time. Mrs. Smith said, and all of a sudden I heard them saying, we got a pulse, we got a pulse. According to Dr. Sutterer, within a matter of a minute or two, his heart fully began beating again. And so they expected a long road to recovery. And I mean, they sent him home like the next day. The kid was totally fine, raised from the dead, from the prayers of his mom. And here's my favorite part. Here's what the doctor officially put on his record, Dr. Sutter. Here's what he literally wrote down. John's heart was jump-started by the Holy Spirit listening to the request of his praying mother. Woo! That's good stuff. How would you like that to be on your medical record? Are you going for your checkup? Let's see. Okay, at one point his heart was restarted by the Holy Spirit from the prayers of his mother. I mean, this is incredible. Prayer works. Can I tell one more? Okay, it's 10 till. Are you sure? Because the Baptists are headed for Tony's Steakhouse, and you may not beat them there. All right. Okay, let's go. Let's go. So uh, a great preacher that I like, Andrew Womack, in 2002, his son died. His son had gone on the wrong path. His son overdosed on drugs. This is a preacher and a great man of God. But his son got hooked up with the wrong crowd, OD'd on drugs. And to make a long story short, he was in a town three hours away from where the pastor, preacher Andrew Womack was. By the time he gets the news, his son's been dead for two hours. He, he, he gets in the car and starts driving there. His son, we're not making this up, is dead. They had stripped him. They put him in the morgue. They put a toe tag on him and put a sheet over his body. 
he was dead. Melinda, that's, I mean, you've been in the business a long time. That, the doctors, everyone said, this kid is dead. He had been dead for five hours. His dad is praying the whole way there. Fervent. Again, we're not, Lord, please, dear God, bail us out of this one. We're talking about fervent prayer. And right before his dad gets there, his son sits up in the morgue. Totally, 100% alive, well, nothing, no brain damage, nothing wrong with him. 100% raised from the dead. And, you know, he's, I, I don't know, banging on the door of the freezer or something. But they let him out. And he's totally alive and well. That was 2002, so that's, what, 16 years ago now. And he's still totally fine. He gave his life to the Lord now, serves in the ministry and everything. Amen? Do you think this happened because the man I'm talking about occasionally only talked to God when he needed something? Only occasionally talked? No, this is a guy that has talks to God all the time. An open communication. This is what we're talking about being a people of prayer. People of prayer, when a bad situation comes up, they don't run for their lives. And how are we going to get out of this? They run to the problem and say, I've been talking to God. I already got this. And they pray because that's their first resort, not their last resort. Who thinks that sounds good? Who thinks you want to be a person of prayer? Amen. All right, let's end there. Let's go ahead and stand up today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.